Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me again on the show. Bradley Croker this week. We all know Brad from the Road to Berlin podcast series. Um, there's been two podcasts on Brad before as well, so not going to talk too much about Brad and who he is because I think you know so much about him if you've listened to those past episodes. But if you haven't, he's a 224 marathon guy. He uh, DNF'd at Berlin after getting injured. And um, yeah, we just caught up for a bit of a chat just to keep the listeners informed about what Brad's up to. Really similar to what I did with Julian last week, actually. I guess when you talk to these guys once a week for 12 weeks, that um, when they disappear from your life a bit and you don't hear from them that much, it's it's uh, a bit yeah, weird. So it was good to kind of get the boys back on and just to have another chat and just hear what they're up to in their lives. I hope you enjoy it. It was uh, really unscripted. Most of my interviews, I uh, don't really script much of the conversation, but this one, I just sat down and put on Skype and just had a chat to Brad, and that's just what I'm sharing you with today. So I hope you enjoy it. I want to probably do a bit more of that kind of stuff, just uh, go in, yeah, with kind of no intentions and just see where it goes. So um, it's always easy talking, running with Brad. He's pretty well-spoken, and yeah, hope you get... A bit out of this one, big news coming December, December, not December, November 1st. Keep your eyes out for um, a bit of a project that us three boys are going to be involved in. Something pretty exciting, can't give much away now, but yeah, keep in in the loop for uh, November 1st. Social media, you are anywhere on social media and you should see what's going on. Exciting times. Thanks guys, bye. Radio Brad Croker's back in the country and back on Tell Me Your Tales. Welcome back, Brad. Thanks, Brady. It's uh, good to be home. It's, it's as fun as it is travelling. There's certainly no place like home. You were gone for ages. What six weeks? Uh five, I think. But five, it felt like, it? Yeah. but it felt like ten. Yeah, right. Because it felt like I think we pretty much left a day apart, and um, feels like I've been back for ages, and you've just really got back the last uh, few days. Yeah, I think in hindsight, it was probably just a little bit too long. Like, um, I was well and truly ready to come home, probably in the last week and a half. 
Yeah. So, Spain yeah. for the rest of the time after um, – after, because you had a month in Spain, didn't you? Three yeah, weeks. Yeah, oh, three weeks. So we had um, three days down in Munich uh, straight after Berlin. So we caught the bus down the, the day after. Um, and then, yeah, three days there, which um, was quite interesting. Bump, bumped into Mona at Oktoberfest and uh, – he was uh, limping around the festival because he'd, uh, I guess he was pretty banged up from the marathon in Berlin. Um, so, yeah, there for three days. And then we flew from there to Madrid um, and, yeah, spent three weeks um, mostly driving. We, we hired a car and drove around. So it was good. But um, I'm the type of person that when I'm on holidays, I like to have a purpose. Um, and I was saying to my wife, Viv, that, you know, one of my enjoyable holidays was, you know, trekking to. Uh, Everest base camp because every day I got up when there was a purpose, you know, to get to get to base camp. Whereas when you're just sort of wandering around um, Spanish, you know, towns as as fun as it is, it sort of wears a bit thin after a few weeks. So I was I was well and truly looking forward to to getting home. Yeah, and out of the routine thing as well, that kind of you a kind of routine guy. Yeah, I'm very I'm very much so a routine nice. guy and 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 very much a homebody as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And so just trying to find places to run and, you know, I still, I still like eating well while I'm away, which is often hard. What about um, cake of the day? You weren't eating well. Oh yeah, but that was, <laughs> yeah, you know, eating, eating cake of the day is, is fine. And um, I know Julian gave me a bit of crap about looking fat, you know, while I was away, but I actually weighed in less than when I left. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, so we, we actually cooked a lot of our meals rather than eating out all the time because in Spain it's all just tapas, which is all just sort of finger food type stuff. So it's, um, you know, I wouldn't want to eat that every every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess the flip side, you know, you weren't there recovering from a marathon. You were kind of building back up. Exactly. Like I guess in, in my head when we booked the holiday, it would have been, run Berlin and then let myself go for two weeks and I didn't feel like I'd really deserved to let myself go because I'd had six weeks off before Berlin so um, the fact that I was pain free I wanted to sort of get back out running and um, I still wanted a little bit of structure in my training because I just get sick of just jogging jogging every day and for me every jog then just turns into like a semi-tempo which is probably worse than having some sort of structure to my week. Yeah, because you get in that grey area, don't you, where you're just yeah. like kicking kicking down your long run. Well, not your long runs, just like you, you might plan to go out for an hour easy and then you're rolling 340s for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And a few of my long runs I did get rolling, but um, I think when you're not placing as much emphasis on the other sessions, it's okay to do that and sort of makes you a little bit stronger. Um, but the running over there was really hard just compared to the trails that we have back home. Um, often just running on these uneven paths in sort of touristy areas. It's yeah, it's not not ideal. Um, and I'm I'm the type of person that just sort of likes being out in the bush by myself. So to have all these people around made it made it hard. And um, just the little one percenters that you can't do while you're away. You know, like I went for close to eight weeks without a massage, and you just feel like you're constantly on edge. You know, not eating as well. Um, but yeah. I'm making it to sound like it was a horrible holiday. but Just um, <laughs> done five weeks overseas and just hating life. Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. But, um, yeah, I just like I like home, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I guess there's still a bit of that, like, frustration around not making the start line as well at Berlin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess now, though, like, I, it was hard over there. But once it's done and dusted, you sort of forget about it and move on and um, plan the next one. 
Mm, which uh, so leads us to it. Like, have you been back on a structured program over there or? Um, yeah, so I spoke to my coach. Uh, so I guess the plan was because I had cortisone the day before I left and then obviously flying over there, couldn't run, um, tested it out in Prague and it was okay. And for that whole first week, there was no pain. So I, so I Skyped my coach when we are in Berlin and he then wrote a bit of a program um, to sort of tie me over until we get we got back. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, like there was, uh, you know, there was a bit of tempo, some two-minute efforts. Um, volume wasn't massive. I think it was between 105 and 130K, so slowly building throughout the few weeks. Um, had a couple of solid long runs in there, and considering I'd missed six weeks, by the time I came home, I was actually moving pretty well considering – um, you know, running in, you know, unfamiliar places. And, I, like, I didn't have racing flats over there at all. So I was just doing all my sessions in normal trainers. So, um, like, I think I did a 2x5K in Cadiz. And um, it was quite warm. It was well over 20 degrees. And I found this area in, like, the port. So it's on it's on the water. So um, I think I ran 16... Uh, what was I? Uh, I would have averaged around 16.30, I think, for both the... Um, for the 5k reps off like a k float in sort of four minutes so you know if i could do that off not a lot of training i was pretty happy in heavies as well i looked at a couple of your yeah. sessions and they were pretty impressive especially that um because i tried the same one that for uh that what was it the one two one, three, one two four. three four three two one you yeah like three twelves for that that was solid yeah and um that was on an area where i looked on strava and I, I saw that there was a part like there was a dirt track that most people had been running on and for my warm-up, I was able to cover about three quarters of where I was going to do the session, um, and I got to the second three minute, which is when it starts to get hurt, when it starts to hurt, because the, the one and the two and the three on the way up aren't too bad, but then if you've gone a bit too hard, as you probably found out, mm. you, you get halfway through that four minute, and you're like, whoa, I've still got, like, I've got another two minutes of this, only a minute recovery, like, which is a float, and then three minutes, so... When I was about two minutes into my last three-minute effort, I hit this section that was just boggy and, um, yeah, I almost stopped the session because I was hurting as it was and, yeah, and then I saw my, my pace drop from sort of sub-310s to like 315 in the space of 20 seconds and I'm just like, ah, but fought, fought through and, yeah, it ended up being a pretty good session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing that does you head in overseas too, isn't it? Like finding those locations and you spend half an hour on Strava just trying to find segments where people have been able to run fast on so you can go and um, try to get a decent session in. Yeah, I think Viv was getting a bit frustrated the amount of time I was spending on Strava while we're away. <laughs> <laughs> just looking up these maps and seeing if you can get some uh, course records and all those kind of things. But, in yeah, the most important thing is you just want somewhere where you can open up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and ideally, just not on the concrete all the time either. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, so now, because I did read somewhere, and Julian, I spoke about how like you're looking forward to coming back and getting into some proper training, but that's pretty, like you were doing some solid stuff over there, some consistent weeks. Yeah, I guess though when you're used to running sort of, and it's all perspective, you know, like back when I was a track runner, 135k a week was massive for me. Um, but then you start training as a marathoner and you're, you know, your recovery weeks are sort of 140. When you're doing 135, you don't really feel like you're, you're training well. Um, and I think for me, it's more about, even though I'm running 135K a week and I'm still getting in good sessions, just that whole routine, I just feel out of routine and 
just not doing as many one percenters that so I don't feel like I'm training properly um, mm. and you know just not eating eating as well and um, you, you know when you're traveling a lot as well your body just gets a bit tight like just sitting in cars and yeah you just it's just not you know walking around streets carrying bags and yeah it's just it's just different to being home where you you're purely focused on basically work and work and training. Well, the cobblestones bang you up a bit as well, I reckon. Like you just never even have um, just walking. Like just like your hips feel different, and you're like yeah, upper body and yeah, it's um, yeah. It tests you out a bit. But do you think you you can read a bit too much into all those little one percenters? Like, do you become a bit of a? And I know you've spoken about it in the past. Like, you love ticking absolute every box. So then, when one box isn't ticked, it kind of makes you feel like you're not training that hard. Whereas from someone else looking in, it looks like you're you're ticking the boxes pretty well oh exactly like i'm super anal when it comes to you know a bit of a perfectionist i guess which in in some regards is good but then other times it actually brings you undone um times i'm just way too intense and i think i'm i think i'm slowly getting better and i think that's um a lot to do with ben my coach because he's starting to i guess make me realize that you can't be you can't be up all year round. Like there's a time where you just need to chill out and just, you know, tick the legs over, get through training, but just not read into things too much. Um, and I guess what he's sort of done now, he's actually setting some sessions that I've never done before. So I've got nothing to compare it to um, and probably less less structure, um, especially, I guess, being this far out from BWA. There's no point in me doing sessions that I can get a real – you know good reading on because i'm just going to probably cook myself being you know as intense as i am yeah 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 so the plan with ben's to move forward and what are you going to do before kind of new year's we just start the marathon build early yeah well this week um i'm not sure if i've mentioned it on a previous podcast but i quit my job before i headed overseas and managed to secure a job teaching for next year which um i haven't taught for 10 years so that's going to take a lot of adjustment. But the school that I'm teaching at next year offered me a sort of part-time position for the last six weeks of term. So I I arrived in the country on Sunday and uh, started there on Tuesday. So I've got a couple of year eight PE classes and um, it's a bit of a different, so this is high, yeah, obviously high school, um, bit different school in terms of they actually have like a mentoring program. So I'm giving at well, you meant to have 15 students that you actually mentor and you sit down one-on-one a few times a term and just talk to them about life and things like that. So um, I've started there this week and it's been a massive adjustment, just dealing with um, jet lag and just a completely new work situation um, and, and not really a familiar work situation because it's been 10 years and a lot of things have changed in schools in 10 years. So um, it's been a it's been a pretty rough week, which... Um, my focus for training, which is like, for example, yesterday, um, Ben set this session where it was basically just run for close to 90 minutes over some hilly terrain and just surge the hills. And mm. I've never like I've never done a session like that before. And like I was I was knackered yesterday afternoon and didn't really want to do it. But because I didn't have anything to compare it to, I didn't care. Like even if I got halfway through the session and had to pull the pin, it didn't matter. Whereas if I had like a monofartlek or something that I knew what I should be doing, um, I probably wouldn't have done the session. So there'll be a lot of that over the next few weeks um, to two months, just slowly building my mileage back up to, um, so I think I'm uh, sort of 140 this week, 150 next week, and 
um, probably won't hit above 100 miles for about another month. Yep. Um, and it's unlike Julian, because I know Julian's focusing more on the speed stuff. I'm actually going the other way and just trying to build some strength. So, um, you know, these sort of 90-minute hilly runs where you surge the hills, you know, some lo- some tempos that aren't too intense, um, focusing on the midweek long runs. So basically doing anywhere between 90 minutes and two hours on a Wednesday uh, and su- Sundays anywhere between... Uh, two hours and two and a half hours. Um, so really the focus is on probably volume over the next eight weeks, hills, um, and also I want to try doing some doubles on a Sunday um, just to – just because I want to do that during the marathon prep because I think just time on your feet is really important, which um, I think Berlin showed that with, you know, guys like Julian and, and Dave Crenitty, you know, like look at Dave Crenitty, you know, he, there's not a lot of intensity in his training all week, but, you know, there's a lot of volume. So, mm. um, and I guess, you know, I've come from a speed background, so my, my weakness is definitely my strength. So try and work on that. Yeah, well, it's almost flip side of Julian, isn't it? Like he knows that he probably can't get much stronger at this stage, but he can get a lot faster, whereas you're, um, you know, don't, don't need to concentrate on that 1,500 kind of 5K, 3K kind of speed and need to get the strength down, Pat. Yeah, and I guess um, where I got encouragement in the lead in, into Berlin was um, some of my speed sessions were actually better as a result of focusing on the longer stuff. So I found increasing my Wednesdays, doing some of those longer tempos and obviously longer Sundays meant that sessions like Montefartlek, like I ran a Montefartlek in my, my Berlin prep and, you know, so I was running faster then than what I was doing when I was actually doing speed work. Mm. So I think for me, um, doing the strength work actually helps my speed in a way. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but um, yeah, like, but I guess it showed that in Berlin, or in the prep for Berlin. Yeah, we looked at my training as well. Like it's a similar thing how you can run quite fast off not doing a lot of speed work and that obviously that strength component is so important, but then you need that kind of extra bit of strength to be mm. able to survive those last kind of seven or eight k's of the marathon, which those yep. other guys have that, yeah, I don't think. Well, I don't because I faded, but yeah, yeah, I think you'd be more in my boat than their boat. Exactly, and I think um, like as long as so when I, when I say I won't focus on any speed work, I still do those ten second hill sprints at the end of an easy run, and maybe one other time a week after an easy thirty five minute run, I'll go and do um, I don't know six. 80 to 100 meter strides on like a synthetic oval so i think that's enough just to actually keep that neuromuscular sort of turnover even though you're not doing you know sort of lactic you know one minute efforts um i think that that's enough to to keep the speed there yeah just have that general speed rather than they're like speed in fatigued legs um when when you're putting those floats in that kind of break you yeah exactly I liked your point about doing sessions that you haven't done before, and that was exactly why. Because I woke up last Thursday and checked Strava and saw that session that you did, and I was like, well, if I do this, I've got nothing to compare it mm. to. It doesn't matter if you run it well or poor or end up pulling out like I did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a good kind of thing just to not put um, apples next to apples kind of thing and yeah. not have anything to get yourself down or anything to look at your watch halfway through and think you're so far behind what you usually would. So, um, yep. yeah, it gets to your head. Yeah, and um, I think yesterday, like yesterday, surprised me as well. Like, because as I said, I wasn't feeling great, and I guarantee if I went out and did a mona, I don't think it would have been very good. Whereas yesterday, um, like it, it did, like the session was pretty hard, but um, I was actually happy with, I was happy with the result. 
Um, but I guess I was happy with the result because I had nothing to compare it to. Like maybe in a month's time when I'm when I don't have jet lag and I'm a, you know and, I, and I'm not teaching because we're on school holidays. Maybe I'll smash that session. But I guess as of yesterday, I was really happy with it. So um, and yeah, I've got another thing coming up in a couple of weeks where Ben's just said run 5k in 16 minutes, but just throw in random surges. So don't have it minute on, minute off. Just run 16 minutes. Don't run it even, but just run, you know, just throw in, throw in surges. So it's that's another sort of, you know, I've never done that before either. So Yeah. So um, why this change from Ben? Like has that been, have you guys sat down and reflected uh, on the build-up or did, did he read this from uh, the way you were kind of over-analyzing the training or how's it come about? Uh, I think he's a pretty smart guy. I think he um, he's obviously pretty good at reading me, knowing the type of person that I am, and I guess this is probably his way of um, <laughs> holding me back so that we don't have a repeat of getting injured, you know, like I did it for Berlin. So um, yeah, so I think it's it's a pretty smart move from him um, because I'd be I'd be the type of person that I'd be like, all right, back in the country. I've got 19 weeks till Biwa, let's go. Yeah. And, you know, in six weeks' time, um, I'll be, be cooked. Uh, and also I think the other thing coming back into Australia this time of year is it's uh, if I was to start doing the sessions that I was doing in the lead-up to Berlin, I'd look at just the splits because that's the type of person I am and it would be, it would be a lot harder to run those splits at this time of year because the weather's starting to get hot. Um, so that's another reason why I think it's good just doing things where I, I don't have anything to compare it to. Um, I've put the heart rate monitor back on, so that also has, has held me back. So the, uh, the start of this week, I actually had two runs where I really just focused on keeping the heart rate under 135, and it, um, it probably meant that I ran 10 to 15 seconds a K slower than I would have if I just ran. So that's probably another thing that I'll – try and um, apply this prep. Yeah, well, we spoke about that over in Berlin, I think, about um, just using that heart rate to slow you down. And we also spoke in Berlin about how you and I both kind of get sucked in a bit too much with the splits rather than the effort. And it's probably why I don't like training for marathons in um, summer because I try to do some of the sessions and they just look like they go in pear shape and, yeah, you end up pulling the pin on them or um, not being satisfied with them, whereas the effort level is probably exactly the same as winter, but the pace yep. is just so much slower. Exactly, and I think I told you, I think when you're training in the heat, you just have to pretend that you're almost at altitude. Mm. Same sort of thing, you know. Like those those guys that live at altitude, um, they're not going to be doing their, you know, marathon tempos at sort of marathon pace. They're going to be slower because they're at altitude, but it doesn't mean that they can't run, you know, a good time in a marathon even though the, the splits the splits don't indicate that at altitude yeah are you enjoying running with that heart rate monitor on just to like give yes. you that extra bit of data and um slowing you down yeah i do actually because it um it sort of takes uh it takes my i don't know it, it just it makes me feel good that all right the heart rate's telling me that i'm running at 135 and that's exactly the zone that i need to be in I don't need to run any faster. Whereas when I don't have that, sometimes I think, oh, maybe I'm not running hard enough. Mm. Um, so to have that objective, I guess, um, indicator of, of how hard I'm running is good. Well, in a way, it's almost opposite to trying to hit splits because you can just go a tiny bit harder and hit that satisfied heart rate. 
and mm. just kind of leave it there. Whereas yep. how many times is it really difficult to get the pace down and like have to work super hard and get uncomfortable to, um, you know, get down to 305s or 310s or whatever the session is you're doing. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, I'm the same. You just put it on and go up when it gets to 135 or 140 or whatever the zone I'm in for the day, you just uh, leave it there and chug along, look down every couple of minutes to make sure it's still there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it sort of, my sessions improve as a result because, as you know, like a lot of my easy runs are close to four-minute Ks, um, which uh, based on the fact, you know, when I've been wearing my heart rate this week, 4.15s to 4.20s is pretty much, the, you know, the heart rate zone that I should be in. So if I'm running four-minute Ks, my heart rate's probably going to be 10 or 15 beats higher, which is starting to get into that grey zone. So hopefully by holding back a little bit more on those easy runs, um, one, my sessions will be better, but I'll, I'll also feel better doing the sessions mm. and, and less chance of getting sick and injured. Yeah, back up better. Had you ever worn them in the past when you were kind of banging out those long runs and stuff mm. for a minute to see what you were uh, blowing? No, no I, um, I used to wear heart rate quite a bit, but I guess when I was a bit younger, I wore the heart rate, but it was more just to see what it was actually doing rather than to control me. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, whereas this time around, I'm actually going, all right, I don't, for this run, I don't want to go above 135 or, and it's, you know, I spoke to Ben about this as well. And it's not so much that don't go above it at all, because if, if I'm running on a really, really hilly course, like he doesn't expect me just to stop and walk up the hill. So my heart rate doesn't go above 135, but it's just, it's just there to, to make sure that you, you know, you're not, you're not, I guess, you know, cause I tend to, um, escalate my runs and you know start off at 420s and be running sub fours by the end so i think by having the heart rate there it just stops that sort of escalation yeah where are you getting those zones from have you worked them out scientifically oh, or you're just winging it or what are you thinking sort of winging winging it a little bit and probably just basing it on i guess uh when was it, it was probably five uh, five years ago um i guess being here in canberra i was part of a few studies at the ais so i had all my heart rate zones then so i'm sort of just keeping it similar um even though things may have changed a little bit but for me i know that if i'm if i'm up over 170 i'm working pretty hard and i know that um my my easy runs should definitely definitely be in the 130s yeah 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 uh that's good and what about races you got any races on the no, books not really so i've got a um so this is week one of my four-week blocks so i'm still going to be following the same sort of cycle that i had um, well, I've had for pretty much the last year where I have like a, um, I guess a, a moderate week, then a slightly lighter one, then an overload week and then a recovery week. And at the end of the recovery week, I'll try and find some sort of race. And, and even if it's par- it'll probably just be park run, like for this first block, just to see where I'm actually at. And, um, it'll be interesting to see what I run for park run, just doing, I guess a little bit less intensity and you know just those sort of 90 minutes over rolling hills like i might might surprise myself yeah well, you always bang out good park runs you're uh, always swift as well that's because i'm just intense and i just get, get get up for them which is just stupid it's like it's, it's a park run but i just i don't know i just it's a complete I, opposite of what park run should be yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it'd be the same. We'll put this way, I'm probably more pumped up for park run than I was on the start line of Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did have a phone and like some, uh, yeah. yeah, your hat and all those kind of things. Like, you look like pretty sketchy at the start of Berlin. Yeah, have you seen the have you seen the footage um, of the race where they show the lead females after like 
two kilometers. No, and is it on you, YouTube? I haven't watched no. anything yet. Yeah, so if you YouTube it, and I guess within the first couple of kilometers, they show the lead female pack, and you can see me with my phone out videoing. <laughs> it's right. pretty like. I'll have a look today. This is what I do yeah. on my day off, just watch running videos. Yeah, like if I was at home watching it, I'd be like, who's that tool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, it's nearly five weeks away now. I'll go, wasn't it? It's funny. Uh, that five yeah. weeks has gone pretty quick. They have. Um, yeah, so other than that, race wise, not, not really sure. Um, I guess there's not really a lot before Christmas. Like I looked at that Steigen, but it's hard for it's hard for me because I looked at the date and it's the twenty third. So yeah, Santa's like, coming two days after. Yeah, so I've got to like try and get like and flights at that time of year are pretty expensive. Um, and because obviously it'd be on at night, so you know I'd have to try and fly back to Canberra, you know Christmas Eve, and then I'd have to drive down the coast. So mm. um, yeah, not sure, but. Uh, yeah, maybe, like I'd like to do something in the new year, and I reckon um, I might even do a couple of track races, just as good, like a 5K hit out. Um, I know New South Wales 10K is off and on just before Biwa. Uh, and I've also, like Sean Crichton, um, who I'm pretty good friends with here in Canberra, he's looking to break some of the over 50 uh, 5 and 10K track records. So I said that I'd... Um, pace him um in you know some sessions and also some races um between now and sort of christmas so that's another thing that'll you know sort of be good where there's no real pressure on training if i jump in and do some sessions with him yeah what's he got to run what are the records uh i think 30 uh well i know the 5k is about 1540 like 1540 high i think yeah um so i guess he'll be hoping to run you know in the 1530s and I think the 10K is maybe 32-something. 32, 32 and he has yeah, to run on track, doesn't he? He wouldn't be able to do that yeah. on the road. Yeah, no, on the track. So um, he, uh, he hasn't had a great start. He, uh, he put spikes on for the first time in over a decade a couple of weeks ago and strained his, uh, strained his hammy. Oh. So he missed, he missed a week, but he's, he's back now. So, yeah. There's a lesson just in that, though, isn't there? Like, do you really need spikes on at all if you're trying to run that pace? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I guess, like, yeah, Actually, when I'm I... I'm not having to go at him. He's, like, the past Australian 10K <laughs> record holder. But I just yeah, know he's... I always jump in spikes way too early and it just cooks my Achilles. Yeah, I haven't had spikes on for, for three three years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. four years. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe look at something in January, like maybe Cabri half or, yeah, um, but haven't really thought too far ahead other than just staying staying in one piece and, and, and building up my mileage um, and focusing on probably a few more hills, you know, between now and Christmas. Yeah, that's good, the Cabri half. Have you ever run that before? No, I haven't. Yeah, I've been there a couple of years. There's some rolling hills, but if you're fit, you can, you can run it well. I remember running it off the back of Falls Creek one year and um, ran well, but I've been there unfit before, and if you're not fit, it just... Um, yeah, it sucks a bit out of you trying to run well over those hills. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, the, the next five weeks is really about probably just adjusting to the new life that I'll be having next year. Because, um, yeah, as you know, as a school teacher, it um, can be pretty intense and some some days are, some days are pretty tough. Yeah, it's um, – so you're going to do full-time, aren't you? I'm full-time next year and, um, like, after a couple of days this week, I was just like – I was starting to sort of question my career change. Um, but I think it's – It'll get easier because obviously this week's tough just, you know, trying to get over jet lag as well. And, and once you're a full-time member of staff, I think the kids um, kids treat you a little bit differently than sort of 
day one or day two when they've never seen you before. Yeah, once you got that rapport and that relationship with the kids and you have them, you know, the same time every week, it's a whole different story. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, what was I going to say? The, I guess the good thing about the prep for BWAR is, uh, so 10 weeks out from BWAR is Christmas Eve. Um, and I think I'll go back to school maybe four weeks, four or five weeks out. So really I'll only have two more weeks of training and then taper. So I'll just really just have to survive those first two weeks of term getting through my training and then it should be pretty easy and I guess most of most of that training will be done during school holidays mm. so I'll be able to be able to train sort of full time you already thinking about Falls Creek or um, any altitude um, stuff uh I haven't at this stage um I could get up there I think I said to Julian I'd be I'd be more inclined to go up sort of after the crowds have left mm. um just for two reasons, just it's just so crowded up there, and um, yeah, like I sort of like sometimes running by myself. But also, I think for Biwa, you know, the races start in March, so um, you know, me being up there, unless I stay till the end of January, um, there's no there's no real point in me being up there in um, you know, like going for two weeks over New Year's because I reckon the altitude benefits will probably be gone by the time BY rolls around. Yeah, like Josh did that last year, and he was up there maybe for a month. Like, he came back pretty late. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and it worked for him. But it works differently for everyone too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But but even then, like, so as I said, I go back to work five weeks before BY, and I think I think I read somewhere that altitude benefits can last for up to maybe six yeah. So it'd be sort of, you know, you'd be getting towards the back end of the benefits, you know, by the time BY rolled around, considering I've got to go back to work. Whereas I think I think Josh Josh would have been up there in February. Yeah, which I, I, I definitely, so. I, Yeah, which I can't be up there in February. And if I was going to do it properly, that's that's how I'd want to do it. Yeah, well, the people that only go out there for a week are really just going up for that, um, like, group training effect more than altitude, aren't they? Yeah, uh, like, yeah you, you wouldn't get much benefit from a week. Yeah. Because I know Julian was just talking about going up for five nights or something like that, yeah. which is um, yeah, it's hard to work driving up and back for. Well, he just wants to go up and um, sell shoes and sign autographs, oh, I reckon. Yeah. He'll drive around in that that um, that van just trying to flog off stock that he can't get rid of in Ballarat. Yeah, yeah, plug his, plug his new coaching business. Yeah, run strong coaching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I'm surprised he didn't plug that last week when he was on here, actually. It's uh, a yeah. yeah, surprise. He dropped it in there for 14 weeks leading into Berlin, but... Now he's made it official and didn't do it at all. It's pretty good not having on having him on here because I can say whatever he wants and he can't uh, can't shut shut me down. Yeah, well, I'm just waiting for a court case after he was on here last week, buddy. <laughs> defamation or something, questioning all these world records. Yeah, yeah. And I was feeling a bit better about recording with you today, not having to worry about what uh, the guest said. Uh, yeah. So, what are you, are you thinking, Bwa? Yeah, I'm thinking Bwa. Mind you, uh, I, sh- I should have booked those flights. Uh, Ages ago, they just keep going up and up. I don't think they're going to go down now. They're up to like eight hundred and fifty bucks or something. Uh, still not, still, still not too good. bad. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. much better than going to Europe. Yeah, so I'm thinking um, Steigen ten k. Yeah, uh, I think I've got seven weeks. Kind of, uh, yeah, got a whole month in November and then three weeks. So seven weeks and yeah, if I can run a good, I'd really like to go under thirty. Like that's been a, mm. a you know, 30, I've run thirty oh five, thirty oh six. 30, 11, 30, 13. Um, so, you know, bloody 15, 14 seconds 
off going over four times, which is, you know, nothing really, but it's just kind of played on my mind and I was probably getting to a stage there where I wasn't sure when you move to the marathon if you can still get down to that pace. But the lead up to Berlin, I think when I ran that 30-45, like a bit of a 10K tempo a couple of weeks before, I thought if I was to run a 10K that day, it would have been, you know, maybe... 1320 uh sorry 30 20ish so yeah. i feel i can get get down there if i if i can and yeah so just i'm kind of doing similar to julian i kind of started with the faster stuff um so straight on the track for some 400s last week some 400s again today um yeah. but not in spikes and grassy kind of spongy track and yeah they've been happening i'm still pretty unfit like i'm gonna do a threshold on saturday just trying to get the heart at 160 165 and just see what pace that equates to and i reckon that will be you know 325 327s as a guess so not yeah, aerobically yeah. that fit as yet but um feeling like the leg turnovers turnovers good did some good 1ks on um tuesday night which is good kind of average 301 and closed in 254 so feeling speedy but yeah. just not fit yet so uh, that will that will slowly come back and i'm the same just being patient and you know the long run the other day i did an hour 45 and just kept that heart rate at kind of 135 to 140 and yep. get home and it was like 23k and i'm like whoa yeah. that's like a you know you i wasn't even sure if it was a long run when you run 23k yeah but, um, yeah. yeah you just got to check your ego out the door and just go okay this is what you're doing and just get it done and i was just saying to benny who i was training with this morning like I've just got to worry about being six out of ten fitness for for two weeks, mm. and then hopefully I become seven out of ten fitness, you know, yeah. in four weeks time. And then, you know, when seven weeks rolls around, it's a week before Stig, and if I'm at nine or ten out of ten fitness, like that's that's when I need to switch it on. I don't need to be feeling good now, seven yeah. weeks out. And um, I think that's what I think that's what I was getting to earlier in the in the conversation was, and you, and I think you're a bit like me as well. Whereas, like, if you're training, like, if you're on, you're on, and you want to be fit. And there's a time where you just let the fitness come, and you just you, you really just go through the motions with training. And you don't just you don't force it, and, mm. and it's almost better to be easier rather than harder. Yeah, and trying to concentrate on like finishing sessions strong. So yeah. Um, yeah, those 1K reps the other day, like I was happy running the first couple in 305s, but I really wanted to finish close to three minutes rather than going into it going, I want to average three minutes or 301 like I did and trying to run that in the first rep and then just becomes painful and depressing and um, yep. you finish it feeling yeah, negative rather than, you know, kick it home and feel good about yourself. Yeah, and I think when you're just in, in building your base, you know, going out and doing tempos around sort of three thirty kilometer pace, like you're still going to get benefit from that. Mm. Um, and and you and you finish feeling strong, and you know, next week it'll you know feel easier, and you'll then be running sort of mid three twenty. So um, yeah, I think a lot of runners just get into the habit of, regardless of what fitness level they're at, they're going to just try and do the session at you know what they're used to doing it at. Uh, Go check uh, that then, ego. Yeah, and now's and now's the period nineteen weeks out from a marathon that it doesn't matter if you're not fit. Yeah, like, you know it's probably it's probably good not to be fit. Well, yeah, I've I was talking to Adam Diddick about this last night. Like we concentrate so much on you know leading up to a marathon and nutrition on marathon race day and what your main sessions going to look like four or five weeks out. Whereas no one really has a plan written for what you do afterwards. Yeah, and just checking. Um, you know, there's quite a few people I follow on Strava and um, have had on the podcast that have ran Melbourne or Berlin, and 
there's no general, this is what you do after a marathon. Some people are kind of straight back into it, which mm. I, I've been, you know, I've kind of tried to get into it quick in the past, maybe like a week after, but some people are jumping straight back into it, like banging out races or sessions seven days after. Whereas yeah. I think because I pulled out of like BY the last two years, I've known that I've stuffed it up in the past and I've failed. I've come back early, got to yep. seven out of 10 fitness really quick and you kind of, start of November, you're kind of hitting some pretty good form, but then it gets to like mid-December, January, and you're like, you're still feeling fatigued and just, yeah. um, you know, those issues with testosterone that I've spoken about in the past, and you just can't get from 7 out of 10 up to 9 out of 10, whereas this year I really let myself go a bit and recover and kind of do yeah. two weeks where I lost a lot of fitness, but now I feel ready to get back into it. Yeah, I, I think I think this period up until Christmas is all about preparing the body to be able to then train for the marathon. Um, and the one thing I really liked about the like the road to Berlin thing was that we got to see how different people like prepare for a marathon like in depth over 10 weeks. And um, the thing that I've learned from it was that um, like I wouldn't say that Julian was in great shape 10 weeks out. Like, mm. you know, it, it goes to show that as long as you're as long as you're at a reasonable level of fitness and you can handle the volume that's required for marathon training, you can achieve a hell of a lot in 10 weeks, Yeah, um, yeah. which I think he showed. Like, you know, when you boys did that Albert Park 10K, I don't think either of you would just say that you're in awesome shape. No. Um, and, that, and that would have been probably less than 10 weeks out, wouldn't it? Well, that, I'm not sure when it was, but that's when we kind of said, okay, we're ready to start doing the, you know, if we can run under 31 minutes now, we've done the training to be able to do the training. Yeah, yep. And so to, to show how much you can actually achieve in 10 weeks should give you confidence that you actually don't need to really push the envelope any earlier than 10 weeks out. You know, you just need to get your body ready to be able to handle those 100 mile to 180k weeks. Mm. And I think because you're, you know, you're generally doing two hours on a Sunday as it is, like yeah. all you have to do is chuck 10 minutes on that and all of a sudden you're training for a marathon. You do 2.10, you do 2.15, you do 2.20, like you yeah. get to 2.30 within three or four weeks um, because you're already at two hours, which is, I think the general punters out there um, probably don't realise how quickly we can switch into marathon training because we're already doing the pre-marathon mm. training. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, I look just looking at my um, sort of four uh, four weekly structure here with my long run. So I'm going to go sort of thirty this week, um, and then thirty two, then a thirty five. So I have one. I'll have one longer run every month, which will be two and a half hours. So it'll get me about thirty five. Um, then I'll have a thirty two with maybe a five k surge at the end. So that's that's just keeping that you know. Mm. Little bit marathon specific, but I'll only do that once a month. So thirty-two with yeah, and even then it'll be maybe like running three thirties to three forties at the end of the long run. So it's nothing too intense. Well, that's a glycogen um, depletion kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, and even then it's only thirty-two k, so it's not super long. And then my recovery week, I'll just do the standard two hours, which will be you know under thirty k, and so I'll pretty much follow that structure for you know the next two months. Yeah, yeah. Good signs, good signs. Um, what have you done? Like when you ran, which marathon did you run? You didn't do BY, you did um, Beppu. Uh, I did Nag- no. uh, Nagano. Nagano. What did you do after that marathon? Can you remember? Because it's something I'm like, I'm asking everyone at the moment. I'm like, what have you guys done post-marathon? Just because it's a, yeah, as I said before, no one's going to write in training programs on how you get back at it. Yeah, I had a few. I had a really um, 
rough period after the marathon actually and, and this comes back to so i blew up massively i ran 70 i think i went through halfway in 71 and ended up running 220 uh 226 high um and so my body was way worse than it was in Canberra where I, you know, negative splitted by about three minutes. Um, so I took pretty much a week off and then I tried to run 5K the week after and I got about three kilometres in and I felt like I was in the last five kilometres of the marathon again. Um, yeah. So I then took nearly another week off and then I just um, I started back with some light sessions of, you know, two minutes on, one minute off and, um, and then I got, con- I was constantly injured after that. Like I had a few uh, personal issues going on, which was just adding to stress. And um, I kept having these these um, issues with my calves. My calves would start just like spasming on me. And every time that happened, I'd have to miss a week. So for me, so Nagano was April 2013. And I, um, I didn't run well again until uh, late 2014, I think. I was just, yeah, always on and off with sort of these niggles. Um, yeah, bang it Yeah, it does. But I've been pretty good since. And, that, and like, I, I regret not getting, not running more marathons between, because I, I, I ran my first one in 2013. I didn't do another one until 2000 and, uh, what, 16. Um, and even that was Melbourne, which wasn't really proper effort. So um, there's a long time between marathons, which in hindsight, I wish I'd actually sort of just stuck at it. Um, but yeah, it, it sort of destroyed me for a year and a half. Yeah, but that's because um, even just talking to Julian about how he's going to skip his April marathon or the Feb, whatever it was for Tokyo. Um, like we're in the when the other boat, aren't we? Like we need to just keep getting him in our legs and hopefully progressing. And he's just made that massive jump now that he can afford to. Um, and he's got so many of them already in his legs, plus those trail marathons that he's got that strength there, whereas I'm kind of excited. Although I know how much it hurts, um, I know the only way I'm going to get better is doing more of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what he's doing is a good, is a good idea um, because, yeah, like I guess he exceeded his expectations a bit. And, and really, like the next goal for him, um, you know, because 220 is obviously a big barrier and, you know, I guess qualifying for Com Games. But, but I guess 215 is really the next barrier, isn't it? You know, like in terms of time time frames so i guess he yeah. needs to now he needs to get himself in shape for 215 which um yeah he probably needs to run under 30 minutes for 10k to do that yeah it's that pecking order kind of stuff that you know where he is all those kind of 217 218 kind of guys so close together you just yeah. need to find 90 seconds and, and jump them all but also i think um julian's thinking you know a bit more long term as well um so rather than just rush straight into another one um put things in place so that he's a little bit faster over the shorter stuff and um, I guess he'll be a little bit fresher going into his next marathon prep because he won't have done one for almost a year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. and um, you don't have that recovery in March, April that you have to get through again. You just keep it keep it going through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good, mate. Hey, did you see these UK? They picked their marathon team yesterday for the Com Games. Yeah, yeah, I know we were having a, um, a little chat about it last night. Controversy. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And, um, like, as I said, uh, like, last night, I have no doubt that there's a lot more guys around our level that are focusing on the marathon now because AA dropped the standard to 219. Um, yeah, well, was- let's go back a step. So, so the UK standard was 213 
Johnny Mello goes out and runs 2.12.57 at Berlin, doesn't get selected. Uh, UK aren't sending any male marathoners to the Commonwealth Games in 2018. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Whereas, um, like, so many Aussie guys have probably deserved to represent Australia in the marathon, but AA used to have the standard at, like, 2.12 or something like that. And so all of these guys that were capable of probably running 2.13 – would then go out to try and run sub 212 and end up, you know, blowing up a bit and running 215, 216 and not getting selected. Um, but now that they've, you know, dropped it to 219, um, you know, I'm like, not that I'd ever make a team, but, you know, I'm probably focusing on it more now because running 219 is a, is a hell of a lot more um, realistic than me running sub 28 or around 28 minutes for 10K. So I think it's great. And, I was also having this conversation um, with Dan Wallace, the uh, Kiwi guy that ran um, sub 220 in Berlin. So New Zealand have similar standards. And we um, we worked out that if Australia had the same standards as New Zealand for Glasgow, then I don't think Michael Shelley would have been selected and then he went on to win Com Games. So it's just, yeah, like if you can run, um, if you can run under two hours 13 for the marathon, you, you, you probably... You, like, you're, you're a chance of a medal at the Com Games. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was the reason they gave him, that he... Because um, I'm just on his Twitter now, and someone asked what was the reason, and they said... He wrote back saying, I'm not considered a medal contender in the selector's yeah. opinion, unfortunately. Like... Yeah. Like, we're sending like, Liam. I think Liam ran five seconds quicker than him at Berlin, and like I'd consider Liam, if he has a good day, could could run yeah. it to 11 and, and pick up a medal. Yeah. Because there's going to be all... second-tier Kenyans there. They're not going to send Kipchoge and Kip saying and... Yeah. Um, you know, B Waddle, so whoever, yeah. But I think I, I thought Michael like Michael Shelley winning gold in Glasgow would actually be more reason for other countries to go, you know what, let's send these guys that are, you know, sub two thirteen runners. Because look what Michael was able to do. Yeah, well he ran two eleven fifteen at Glasgow. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a minute down the road, a minute and a half down the road. Yeah. Didn't get picked. But what gets me is, like, why have a standard? A guy runs it by a minute and three seconds, and then you yeah. still do not choose him. Yeah. So what is no. the point of even having that A standard? Yeah, and, and like, it's all about prom- promoting the sport as well. Um, you know, like, by having a standard that's achievable, it keeps people in the sport. Yeah. Um, you know, like, as I said before, like, two hours 19 for Australian men, that there's a lot of guys that can – potentially do that and it's going to keep people it's going to keep them running whereas you know when it's 212 they're like uh what's what's the point you know i'm never going to run 212 yeah and it just kind of um i don't know you look at this guy i've never heard of him before he ran um 212 at berlin and he's kind of like you know kind of that next you know he's not a mo Farah, he's not an andy vernon kind of the uk guys that you hear about a bit more and kind of gives you hope that other guys can get selected and represent their country and yeah yeah you're right it's kind of like a 220 guy i'm looking at that going man like this guy is so unlucky yeah um, yeah yeah but it's that whole politics behind it all isn't it yeah but if every if every sporting body used um I guess use the selection criteria as we'll only send people to world championships, Commonwealth Games, or Olympics if we think they can medal. There'd be there'd be no one. There'd be hardly be anyone at the Olympics. Yeah, you'd have seven people in a race, like like because you know, like yeah, exactly. Like for men's marathon, for example, like realistically, well, all right, if you go, all right, we're only going to send people who we think can medal. 
all right, well, there's three Kenyans who have run two or three. Pretty much, pretty much guaranteed, and then Ethiopian. So, like, there's so there's six there. Well, no other. I guess Uganda and yeah, no other country should send anyone really. So. But then the statement that um, you know only send people who are a possibility of meddling when you don't actually know who the other countries have selected. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all you can like all they should be um, using for that statement is the past winning times and two twelve would have yeah. nearly gotten it. like yeah it's, it does not make a much sense at all and I understand if you have got three guys who have you know if Mo Farah's going and someone else is going and there's three guys who have run quicker than you yeah fair enough mm. bit unlucky you haven't made the team but it's not like there's anyone on the start line for um, England at those con games yeah and uh, as I said before if like based on what happened in Glasgow. You would say that that Johnny Miller Mello is a, is actually a chance of a medal based on what happened in Glasgow. Yeah. So yeah. So you you, you could argue that he is a medal chance. Well, they sent um, like Steve Wayne stuff to the Com Games at Glasgow. Like he was a great yeah. story guy. He'd come back after smoking and drinking, and um, I think he ran maybe two fifteen. But the amount of people he would have inspired to run in England and all over the world because mm. he wasn't a naturally kind of talented guy, and he was. I think 39 on the day and like yep, that's an exactly. amazing story and it kind of goes through whereas yeah, whereas, yeah 215 yeah. 16 he ran like um yeah at, at the follow-ons effect like it's huge yeah i agree that's that rant for the day yeah yeah be nice right. one. yeah it doesn't um doesn't inspire many people to to go at it no it doesn't it's, it's going off on twitter it's got like he's got 301 retweets he's uh he's yeah gonna go well He'll um few he'll, appeal, he'll appeal it though I take it. Yeah, a few people are suggesting you should appeal. Um, mm. But yeah, it's uh, doesn't make they're sending two female runners, but yeah, no male, no males on the team. Yeah, crazy, um, crazy, oh, crazy, good. crazy world. I guess it's good for our um our good for our boys. Yeah, so you reckon that team's locked in? You heard any whispers about uh, if Collis is going to run one? No, I haven't heard. Um, but. I can't see, can't see anybody else. Well, there's nobody else that I know of that's running. No one else other than Collis can go out and run a two thirteen, can they? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, Last name to have a crack. Yeah. So yeah, but um, be a pretty good team. It's pretty strong. I was talking to Adam about it last night. Like you know, you got. You got Shelley Adams and and possibly Hamer two thirteen on debut too. Would he kind of maybe go in as the as a favourite with the Australians? Uh, maybe like when I saw the result, I was stoked because um, I guess Chris is a Canberra boy now, um, and he's had a bit of bit of bad luck over the last few years because he was um, a lot of people probably don't know, but he was selected for Glasgow uh, in the 10k and couldn't go because he had to have surgery on his Achilles, um, and then uh, ran quite well at the cross country trial I think earlier this earlier this year and. Um, yeah, misselection there. So if there's anybody that deserves a, an Aussie singlet, it's him. So, um, and yeah, like 2.13 for a debut is is uh, a great run. And he's just um, he's just a no-fuss type runner, just goes about his business, doesn't have a, you know, doesn't have a, much of a profile at all. Like, I think he's even off Facebook now because I – um. We were Facebook – either that or he's, he's cut me. But um, gotcha. <laughs> we were, uh, we were Facebook – <laughs> we were Facebook friends, and when I saw the result, I, I went to sort of log on and, and you know, send him a, a message of congratulations, but I couldn't find him. But then 
when I searched for him, I couldn't see him at all. So maybe he's um, lessened the noise and gone off it. Fully lessen the noise when you go off Facebook. That's when you know you're uh, keeping people quiet. Um, yeah. You sat on him, dogged him at Zatapak or something one year, didn't you? And then kicked past him at the finish line. That's probably why yeah, he got so, rid of you. So I was like, yeah, so I was the fittest I've ever been. And he was coming back from an injury. And um, yeah, the 30 minute train, I guess, sort of, uh, there's there only two of us left after about a kilometre. And uh, I said to him, do you want to do 800 metres each? And um, yeah, we swapped off pretty much the whole race, um, you know, up until two laps to go. So um, I did actually get him that night. There you go. Got him. That was the same. Adam Diddick was in the same race. We were talking about it last night when I recorded that podcast. Oh, okay. It was raining. Yeah. He was thirty. He was forty seconds behind you. But this is the this is the sort of the guy Chris was. Like, so he obviously wasn't very fit at the time, and because um, he's around twenty eight eighteen, like he's in, yes, since then, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, like I was the one that's because I was in front of him at the time. I said, "Look, do you want to do 800 meters each?" And he's like, "Yeah." And then he he could sense that he was starting to struggle with you know um, maybe a kilometer to go or something. And he goes, "Oh, I don't I don't think I can do my next turn." And I said, um, "Oh, look, mate, if you if you take like the next lap, I'll do the last three or, or something like that." And like he he stepped up and did it like just which. which so many guys would just be like, I'm hurting. There's no way I'm going to do – because I'd never met him before. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever spoken to him. And um, for him to do that, I was pretty thankful. And that, that was the first time I went under 30 minutes that night. So, yeah. That's I, a, um, I went to him. I do, yeah. Could be a pretty quiet men's marathon team, though. All those three boys like keeping their profiles pretty low, Michael Shelley and Liam and Chris Hamer. Yeah, they do. Let their legs do the talking. <laughs> yep. Good way to be, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many, too much trash gets spoken on Strava and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. This is why we're not running as fast as them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too much, spending too much time banter. Yeah, well, I've realised I'm never going to run fast, so I might as well just talk instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah try making into talking about running world instead. Yeah. Uh, that's good. And those girls are running quick. Like, it's, yeah, just uh, a few more sub-230s the last couple of months. Yeah, it's, um, but it's probably as well, like, you look at, look at their marathon standard now like and it's you know there's a lot of girls that can potentially run that which just encourages encourages them to try um like when you compare the the marathon times to like the five and the ten um if you're a you know a pretty good female like you'd be be mad not to to attempt the marathon Mm. The, the thing with them is, though, they've got that easy stand. I think it's like 2.43 or something, but the girls are yeah. running. Like, you got to run 12 minutes quicker than that to oh. be considered. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very strong now. Whereas ours, you can kind of, you know, run two minutes under and maybe be the fourth guy. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder, um, yeah, I wonder when we'll actually have, uh, you know, more guys under sort of 2.15 and um, first sub 2.10 in a while. Yeah, I spoke with Adam about this last night as well, and he, um, I pretty much said, why aren't they kind of, surely they're putting in the work and they're hopefully just as talented, but he kind of had a pretty good answer that he doesn't know the ins and outs of their training and stuff, and he can't really comment mm-hmm. to why, you know, Michael or Liam aren't breaking 210, but um, yeah, you'd like to expect that, that I think a lot more guys are going to run under 215 in the yeah. next two or three years, which is encouraging from Athletics Australia to make that standard 219 because those 219 guys have become 217, 218 guys yeah. on their way to trying to break 219. 
and then hopefully they can just make that next jump. And I think there's going to be a whole stack of guys, hopefully like yourself and myself, who can go mm. from kind of 220s down to 219s, 218s, and kind of just keep – everyone just keeps going forward, but I'm not sure if that 212 to 210 gap's going to going to happen just quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Do you see oh, that Norwegian guy around like 59.45 for that half marathon over in Valencia? No, I didn't see that. One of Julian's – ah, not Julian, one of Christian's mates. Yeah, right. Third fastest non-African of all time. And then Renata Canova's like got on the Let's Run um, forums and just like documented all his training. There's some insane yeah. stuff in there. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's been living in Kenya and spent – twelve. I think he spent like 10 out of 12 months there, last 12 months, and yeah – um, red blood cells are going through the roof. So it uh, looks like Christian's all confirmed for um, a tour down under. Yeah, he's coming down. Yeah, so originally he was going to come out to Australia before BWA, spend a couple of weeks and then come out, then head over with us. Um, but it looks like now he's just going to go straight to Japan and then come over to Australia after, which probably makes more sense. Yeah, party time afterwards. So, um, yeah, try and get on the sub-220 uh Sub two twenty train, yeah. There might be, a, yeah. I think going into Bwale, that'd be because I think I was probably more that two, trying to hit that two nineteen or nothing kind of train at um at Berlin. So it'd be good to just go, just try for two twenty and have a good, good yeah. few of us going through, and then we can kick it down at the end if we have to, rather than be under halfway yeah. or thirty five k in. Yeah, I'll I'll be treating that a bit like my first attempt at sub thirty on the track where um I. Basically, I think my last K was my quickest because I just wanted to make sure that I was on that pace. And even if I could have run 29.30 that night, I wouldn't have, like, I just, it wasn't part of the plan. It was just run under 30. And um, I think it'll be the same for BWA. Like, I'd be I'd be stoked. Even if I could run 219, I'd just be stoked to run 220 and probably won't bite off any more than that. So, being, mate, Julian would call me soft, but um, I don't know, I prefer to just, uh, I guess you know first t- tick off that and then look at something faster down the track if if I yeah that's assuming I ever get under two twenty. Yeah, and it's much easier said than done too, isn't it? Like it's yeah. um, you got to get in pretty good nick and just need things to go right for you on race day. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm not getting any younger, and I just have a feeling age that, is just uh, a number. Don't worry about age. Yeah, like no. your your marathon training age is like three though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah ignore that. No. And my yeah. mental age is one. <laughs> I might get in the classroom more. It might go up a few. few yeah. Are you worried Maybe. about that leading into like, you know, especially when you said before how you're going to be focusing on like the bigger Wednesdays and even though the intensity is not there, but when you're working full time and you're trying to bang two hours out on a Wednesday and you still got to back up for work for another two days and do a session and you kind of got any concerns or strategies in place to be able to deal with that? Uh, I am a bit concerned by it because even this week, um, because I'm only part-time, like my my timetable is quite light, but I had a full day yesterday. So like second day at the school when I was on every single lesson and um, when Ben found that out, he's like, oh, do we need to to restructure because, you know, you've got to go out and do that 90 minutes. And um, I said, look, we'll just see how we go. Um, I'm a little bit concerned the start of next year, um, just with knowing, like, you know what it's like, those last two weeks of big training um, for a marathon, but then also the start of a school term when I'll be a new teacher at that school. It's um, I'm a little bit concerned that just stress levels and maybe 
um, not sleeping as well and might sort of just derail all the work I've done over the Christmas and New Year period. So um, I almost just have to prepare myself mentally for that two weeks being quite tough. And um, and even if it means that I just drop the mileage a little bit or just be a little bit more conservative with the training just to make sure I don't sort of cook myself before the race. Yeah, and you go um, from doing nothing all school, or not nothing, but you have very little human interactions compared to what you do in a classroom or at a school. And then, yeah. you know, there's no, like, easing into it. It's not like, all right, we'll just start with, like, two hours a day, then four hours a day. Like, you, that first week, it just bangs you up massively. I know it takes me, like, three or four days just to get used to, like, just kids in your face and meeting new parents and you're meeting new staff yeah. and you've got a staff meeting after school here and it's like... Yeah. running just you almost have to put it on the back burner um, yeah and understand that's part of the process because this drains you mentally um yep. and there's no way you want to drive out of work and be like okay i'm going to go out and bang 10 by 1 k's yeah yeah and that's sort of what it's been like this week really is sort of um for the last because i hated my job the one that i was doing before berlin and um for the this whole year running has just been my main focus and this week, it's almost yeah being put on the back burner, and I can now I sort of appreciate people that have like full on jobs, have like a family with young kids where they're sort of constantly sleep deprived, but then also trying trying to train for a marathon. Mm. Um, so I've got a feeling that that's how sort of life is you know in the next couple of years is going to be, um, which you know obviously does make it harder to train the way you want to train. And that's where you need to stop being that perfectionist. Like, you you have a big day at work and you move a session or you ditch a session, but you're still sane. Like, you're not, yeah, it's um, where those little things kind of have to happen. Yeah, and I I guess um, Liam's, uh, like, podcast that you had with him, you know, the fact that uh, he prioritised some sleep on a, you know, some afternoons and missed sessions, you know, as he said, it probably helped him. in Berlin, even though at the time he probably thought it was doing him damage. Hmm. Yeah, because you can't, yeah, just burn it at both ends, like the sleep's in a way training. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but the school seemed pretty supportive of my running, which is good. I um, I saw the principal yesterday and um, I said, look, I just want to see you before I sign my contract for next year, just about this marathon in Japan. And I said, you know, I'd probably have to miss four days of work and she seemed pretty okay with it so um it's good that they're supportive of that um and so it means that maybe i can do another marathon later next year we'll see yeah well i think they've got to be especially like you know you don't have any kids and i can't imagine you take many days carers leave or sick leave um so given a guy who's trying to pursue his dreams and it's going to make him happier giving him four days of even just unpaid leave so he can go and do that it's going to mean you're better when you are there yeah yeah so um, I guess on the flip side with the whole teaching of being stressful, the other, I guess one good thing about it, though, is a bit more balance again in my life. Um, I guess in the lead up to Berlin, I uh, wasn't enjoying my job. So I guess all my eggs were in the one basket. And I think I touched on this in a podcast so that, you know, when running's going well, um, it's awesome. But then when you're not running well or you're injured and you're not enjoying your job, then, you know, life sort of sucks. So... Um, assuming I'm enjoying this teaching job, it'll just give me a, you know, a bit more balance. Yeah, and even if you're not enjoying it to start off with, you're going to be presented with the challenge to get your head around it or make it work for you so then you do enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah, 
That's good. You're over the jet lag and stuff now? No, not really. No. It hangs it's around, doesn't it? Oh, like I went to Europe in 2003 and I never remember it being this bad. So I, I have heard that it does get harder as you get older with jet lag. But um, like the first night I slept for three hours. I don't have an issue falling asleep. I, I fall asleep for about three hours and then I'm awake at like 1 a.m. and I just cannot get back to sleep. Um, so like I, um, I have some sleeping tablets, which I hate using, but just with this week with a, with a new job, um, I know that I need some sort of sleep. So I've been sort of having one of those when I wake up at two o'clock just to, cause then I start to stress that I'm not sleeping and I know that I'm, I'm not going to be able to function the next day. So, uh, ho- hopefully I'm over the, over the worst of it. Yeah, and it just comes on late in the afternoon sometimes, oh. I found. Like, actually, when I recorded that podcast with Liam, that was like at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, and I'd been up since 2, and I thought I thought I was going to nod off halfway through it, so lucky it was entertaining and easy to talk to. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you just, it's that, like, you kind of feel hungover, kind of, and it just, just hits you. Yeah, well, I sometimes feel drunk, and, like, I'm trying to, like, when I speak, I don't feel like I'm making any sense, um, which is probably just normal, but it's like... <laughs> You've made sense and, for the last hour. And, and here I am, you know, te- like standing up in front of a class, just especially um, uh, like, you know, if I'm teaching last period, like that's probably about where it re- like really hits me. So, um, yeah, hopefully though, I just need to get through the, to the weekend and I think I'll be sweet for next week. Only gets easier from here, mate. You'll be right. Yeah, yeah. Righty-o. Cheers. Good. Thanks for your time again. I reckon we'll cap it there, eh? That's an hour, hour ten. Yep. Time, goes, time goes fast when you're having fun. Cool. Right, and next time we'll hear from you. We'll be uh, we'll be doing a new kind of project, which will be exciting. Start in November, I think. We're gonna we're gonna pull the trigger on that. More news coming there. Yeah, look forward to it. Um, be good. What about old mate. old wise man's doing his research and listening to different podcasts, and he's got a sword. Yeah, he's pumped. He's got yeah, his gear organised for us. He's uh, he's taking a lead. It's good. Yeah, it is good. So, well, he does nothing all day other than go on Strava. So he's uh goes on Strava and sells shoes from people from Echuca who drive down there. I wonder how many people walk through his um his door every day. Yeah, not sure. I think more now he's a two eighteen man. He's got a bit of a profile on the podcast. Yeah, is that just to get his autograph or buy shoes? Yeah, I don't know. No, he's still a nobody. He lives in Ballarat. Two eighteen gets yeah. you nowhere there. Yeah, it's true. Jeez, if I ran two eighteen up here, I reckon I'd have like streets named after me and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, oh, the um the the Madrid listener, he uh Dom was it he, Dom? Yeah, Dominic, he um, messaged me last night, sent me through his program and wanted me to look at it for him. So I gave him a few pointers on that and uh, introduced him to the Monofart. Like, he's going to give it a go. Yeah, yeah, it's a good session. It's bang for your buck 20 minutes, like, it breaks it's up. Funny, it's funny, though, people that have never heard of it or have never done sort of minute-on-minute flow, they're just like, oh, that doesn't look that hard. And mm. I'm like, I said, look, just give it a go. It creeps up on you, and you, you'll find it pretty tough. But you do get do get a lot of benefit from it. Well, even when I did that one the other week, that like three, two, one, two, three, I was looking to me watch half like in the minutes. I'm running like two fifty five pace, and I'm like, all right, this is easy. Like maybe I'm not as unfit as I was, and then like it just hits you, and you just yeah. you can't run quicker than three twenties, and heart rate was through the roof, and um, yeah, it's just they make you tough those sessions. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like a guy from Madrid's emailing you his program, so you can um, after yeah. listening to the Road to Berlin stuff, and you can give him some comments on it. Yeah, it is pretty good, and like it's quite easy now to look at someone's program and just go, look, that's just not 
you know, like he had he had things in there where he was having like four minutes recovery between mile reps. And I'm just like, dude, like if you're running halves and marathons, you don't need four minutes between a mile rep. Get this, I went with these triathlon boys yesterday morning. They were just they just met at a local cafe and um, they did. I actually thought the guy was joking because one of the guys is a massive joker, always kind of um, spinning gags and stuff. And they did a four minute effort and then a six minute jog, then a four minute effort. Yeah. And after, because it was just my easy day, so I was kind of running at kind of three fifty pace off the back of them getting dropped. And then when we they finished the first four minutes and hooked back, and everyone kind of joined back up to jog, I said, "Oh, what have we got now?" And he goes, six minutes." And I was like. You're joking, right? Like six minutes. Like surely we're not doing six minutes recovery after one four-minute effort. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, that's it. And I'm like, is this still a part of the joke? Like I literally could not work out if he was joking or that was legit. And then, um, yeah, one more four-minute effort and that was it. But, yeah, different people train different ways. But I think hopefully people listen to us on here and they, mm. yeah, understand that we know what we're talking about. Like I reckon – the only time you need more than four minutes recovery is if you're like a track runner and you're trying to get rid of you're trying to get rid of some lactic. Yeah, and if you're running like fifty eight second four hundreds or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, mate. Cool. Thanks. All right, I, better, I better get to work. I better get to work. Tough life. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye. Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.